Act Five of Cymbeline by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cymbeline by William Shakespeare, Act Five, Scene One, Britain, the Roman camp. Enter Posthumus with a bloody handkerchief. Yea, bloody cloth, I'll keep thee. For I wished thou shouldst be coloured thus. You married ones, if each of you should take this course, How many must murder wives much better than themselves For rying but a little? O oh, Pisanio, every good servant does not all commands, No bond but to do just ones. Gods, if you should obtain vengeance on my faults, I ne'er had lived to put on this. So had you saved the noble Imogen to repent, And struck me, wretch, more worth your vengeance. But, alack, you snatch some hence for little faults. That's love, to have them fall no more. You some permit to second ills with ills, Each elder worse, and make them dread it to the doer's thrift. But Imogen is your own. Do your best wills, and make me blessed to obey. I am brought hither among the Italian gentry, and to fight against my lady's kingdom. Tis enough that Britain I have killed thy mistress. Peace, I'll give no wound to thee. Therefore, good heavens, hear patiently my purpose. I'll disrobe me of these Italian weeds, and suit myself as does a Briton peasant. So I'll fight against the part I come with. So I'll die for thee, O Imogen, Even for whom my life is every breath a death. And thus, unknown, pitied nor hated, To the face of peril myself I'll dedicate. Let me make men know more valour in me Than my habits show. Gods, put the strength of the Leonati in me. To shame the guise of the world I will begin, The fashion less without and more within. Exit. Scene two. Field of battle between the British and Roman camps. Enter from one side Lucius, Iachimo, and the Roman army. From the other side the British army. Posthumus Leonatus following, like a poor soldier. They march over and go out. Then enter again in skirmish. Iachimo and Posthumus Leonatus. He vanquisheth and disarmeth Iachimo and then leaves him. The heaviness and guilt within my bosom takes off my manhood. I have belied a lady, the princess of this country, and the heir-aunt revengingly enfeebles me. Or could this carl, a very drudge of natures, have subdued me in my profession? Knighthoods and honours, born as I wear mine, are titles but of scorn. If that thy gentry Britain go before this lout as he exceeds our lords, the odds is that we scarce are men and you are gods exit the battle continues the britons fly cymbeline is taken then enter to his rescue belarius gedarius and arviragus stand stand we have the advantage of the ground the lane is guarded nothing roots us but the villainy of our fears gedarius with arviragus stand Stand and fight. Re-enter Posthumus Leonatus and seconds the Britons. They rescue Cymbeline and Exeunt. Then re-enter Lucius and Iachimo with Imogen. Away, boy, from the troops, and save thyself. For friends kill friends, and the disorders such as war were hoodwinked. Tis their fresh supplies. It is a day turned strangely. Or betimes let's reinforce, or fly. Exeunt. Scene three, another part of the field. Enter Posthumus, Leonatus, and a British lord. Camest thou from where they made the stand? I did, though you, it seems, come from the flyers. I did. No blame be to you, sir, for all was lost but that the heavens fought, the king himself of his wings destitute, the army broken, and but the backs of Britain's seen, all flying through a straight lane. 
the enemy, full-hearted, lolling the tongue with slaughtering, having work more plentiful than tools to do't, struck down some mortally, some slightly touched, some falling merely through fear that the straight pass was damned with dead men hurt behind, and cowards living to die with lengthened shame. Where was this lane? Close by the battle, ditched and walled with turf, which gave advantage to an ancient soldier, an honest one, I warrant, who deserved so long a breeding as his white beard came to in doing this force country. Athwart the lane, he, with two striplings lads, more like to run the country base than to commit such slaughter, with faces fit for masks, or rather fairer than those for preservation cased, or shame, made good the passage, cried to those that fled, our Britain's hearts die flying, not our men. To darkness fleet souls that fly backwards. Stand, or we are Romans, and will give you that like beasts which you shun beastly, and may save, but to look back and frown. Stand, stand! These three, three thousand confident, in act as many, for three performers are the file when all the rest do nothing, with this word, stand, stand! accommodated by the place, more charming with their own nobleness, which could have turned a distaff to a lance, gilded pale looks, part shame, part spirit renewed, that some turned coward but by example, oh, a sin in war, damned in the first beginners, gan to look the way that they did, and to grin like lions upon the pikes of the hunters. Then began a stop of the chaser, a retire, anon a rout, confusion thick, Forthwith they fly, chickens the way which they stooped eagles, slaves the strides they victors made, and now our cowards, like fragments in hard voyages, became the life of the need, having found the back door open of the unguarded hearts. Heavens, how they wound! Some slain before, some dying, some their friends o'erborne in the former wave, ten chased by one, are now each one the slaughter-man of twenty, those that would die or e'er resist are grown the mortal bugs of the field. This was strange chance. A narrow lane, an old man, and two boys? Nay, do not wonder at it. You are made rather to wonder at the things you hear than to work any. Will you rhyme a punt and vent it for a mockery? Here is one. Two boys, an old man, twice a boy, a lane. Preserved the Britons was the Romans' bane. Nay, be not angry, sir. Lack, to what end? Who dares not stand his foe, I'll be his friend. For if he'll do as he is made to do, I know he'll quickly fly my friendship too. You have put me into rhyme. Farewell, you're angry. Still going? Exit, Lord. This is a lord. Oh, noble misery, to be o' the field and ask what news of me. Today, how many would have given their honours to have saved their carcasses, took heel to do it, and yet died too? I, in mine own woe, charmed, could not find death where I did hear him groan, nor feel him where he struck, being an ugly monster. Tis strange he hides him in fresh cups, soft beds, sweet words, or hath more ministers than we that draw his knives in the war. Well, I will find him, for being now a favourer to the Briton, no more a Briton. I have resumed again the part I came in. Fight I will no more, but yield me to the veriest hind that shall once touch my shoulder. Great the slaughter is here made by the Roman. Great the answer be Britons must take. For me, my ransom's death. On either side I come to spend my breath, which neither here I'll keep nor bear again, but end it by some means for Imogen. Enter two British captains and soldiers. Great Jupiter be praised! Lucius is taken. Tis thought the old man and his son were angels. There was a fourth man, in a silly habit, that gave the affront with them. So tis reported, but none of them can be found. Stand, who's there? A Roman, who had not now been drooping here if seconds had answered him. Lay hands on him, a dog. A leg of Rome shall not return to tell what crows have pecked them here. He brags his service as if he were of note. Bring him to the king. Enter Cymbeline, Bellaris, Guiderius, Arviragus, Pisanio, soldiers, attendants, and Roman captives. 
The captains present posthumous Leonatus to Cymbeline, who delivers him over to a jailer, then exuant omnes. Scene 4. A British Prison. Enter posthumous Leonatus and two jailers. You shall not now be stolen. You have locks upon you. So graze as you find pasture. Aye, or a stomach. Exit jailers. Most welcome bondage, for thou art away, I think, to liberty. Yet am I better than one that's sick of the gout, since he had rather grown so in perpetuity than be cured by the sure physician death, who is the key to unbar these locks. My conscience, thou art fettered more than my shanks and wrists. You good gods, give me the penitent instrument to pick that bolt. Then, free for ever. Is't enough? I am sorry. So children, temporal fathers, do appease. Gods are more full of mercy. Must I repent? I cannot do it better than in jives. Desired more than constrained. To satisfy, if of my freedom does the main part, take no stricter render of me than my all. I know you are more clement than vile men who of their broken debtors take a third, a sixth, a tenth, letting them thrive again on their abatement. That's not my desire. For Imogen's dear life take mine, and though tis not so dear, yet tis a life. You coined it. Tween man and man they weigh not every stamp. Though light, take pieces for the figure's sake. You rather mine being yours. And so, great powers, if you will take this audit, take this life, and cancel these cold bonds. O oh, Imogen, I'll speak to thee in silence. Sleeps. Solemn music. Enter as an apparition, Cecilius Leonatus, father to Posthumus Leonatus, an old man, attired like a warrior, leading in his hand an ancient matron, his wife, and mother to posthumous leonatus with music before them then after other music follow the two leonati brothers to posthumous leonatus with wounds as they died in the wars they circle posthumous leonatus round as he lies sleeping no more thou thundermaster show thy spite on mortal flies with mars fall out with juno chide that thy adulteries, rates, and revenges. Hath my poor boy done aught but well, whose face I never saw? I died whilst in the womb he stayed, attending nature's law. Whose father then, as men report thou orphan's father art, thou shouldst have been, and shielded him from this earth-vexing smart. Lucina lent not me her aid, but took me in my throes, that from me was posthumous ripped came crying amongst his foes, a thing of pity. Great nature, like his ancestry, molded the stuff so fair, that he deserved the praise o' the world, as great Cecilius's heir. Where once he was mature for man, in Britain where was he that could stand up his parallel, or fruitful object be in eye of Imogen that best could deem his dignity? With marriage wherefore was he mocked to be exiled, and thrown from Leonati's seat, and cast from her his dearest one sweet Imogen? Why did you suffer Iachimo, slight thing of Italy, to taint his nobler heart and brain with needless jealousy, and to become the geck in scorn o' the other's villainy? For this from stiller seats we came, our parents and us twain, that striking in our country's cause fell bravely and were slain, our fealty and tenacious right with honour to maintain. Like hardiment posthumous hath to Cymbeline performed. Then Jupiter, thou king of gods, why hast thou thus adjourned the graces for his merits due, being all to dolors turned? Thy crystal window ope, look out. No longer exercise upon a valiant race thy harsh and potent injuries. Since, Jupiter, our son is good, take off his miseries. Peep through thy marble mansion. Help, or we poor ghosts will cry to the shining synod of the rest against thy deity. With first brother. 
Help, Jupiter, or we appeal, and from thy justice fly. Jupiter descends in thunder and lightning. Sitting upon an eagle, he throws a thunderbolt. The apparitions fall on their knees. No more, you petty spirits of region low, offend our hearing. Hush! How dare you, ghosts, accuse the thunderer, whose bolt you know sky-planted batters all rebelling coasts. Poor shadows of Elysium, hence, and rest upon your never-withering banks of flowers. Be not with mortal accident suppressed, no care of yours it is, you know tis ours. Whom best I love, I cross, to make my gift the more delayed, delighted. Be content, your low-laid son our Godhead will uplift. His comforts thrive, his trials well are spent. Our jovial star reigned at his birth, and in our temple was he married. Rise and fade, he shall be lord of Lady Imogen, and happier much by his affliction made. This tablet lay upon his breast, wherein our pleasure his full fortune doth confine, and so away. No further with your din express impatience, lest you stir up mine. Mount, eagle, to my palace crystalline. Ascends. He came in thunder. His celestial breath was sulphurous to smell. The holy eagle stooped as to foot us. His ascension is more sweet than our blessed fields. His royal bird prunes the immortal wing and cloys his beak as when his god is pleased. Thanks, Thanks Jupiter. The marble pavement closes. He has entered his radiant root. Away, and to be blessed, let us with care perform his great behest. The apparitions vanish. Waking. Sleep. Thou hast been a grandsire, and begot a father to me. And thou hast created a mother and two brothers, but, oh, scorn, gone. They went hence so soon as they were born, and so I am awake. Poor wretches that depend on greatness' favor, dream as I have done, wake and find nothing. But, alas, I swerve, many dream not to find, neither deserve, and yet are steeped in favors. So am I, that have this golden chance, and know not why. What fairies haunt this crown? A book, O oh, rare one! Be not, as is our fangled world, a garment nobler than that it covers. Let thy effects so follow to be most unlike our courtiers, as good as promise. Reads. When as a lion's whelp shall to himself unknown, without seeking find, and be embraced by a piece of tender air, and when from a stately cedar shall be lopped branches, which being dead many years shall after revive, be jointed to the old stock and freshly grow, then shall posthumous end his miseries, Britain be fortunate, and flourish in peace and plenty. Tis still a dream, or else such stuff as madmen tongue and brain not, either both or nothing, or senseless speaking, or a speaking such as sense cannot untie. Be what it is, the action of my life is like it, which I'll keep, if but for sympathy. Re-enter first jailer. Come, sir, are you ready for death? Over-roasted, rather, ready long ago. Hanging is the word, sir. If you are ready for that, you are well cooked. So if I prove a good repast to the spectators, the dish pays the shot. A heavy reckoning for you, sir, but the comfort is you shall be called to no more payments. Fear no more tavern bills, which are often the sadness of parting, as the procuring of mirth. You come in flint for want of meat, depart reeling with too much drink, sorry that you have paid too much and sorry that you are paid too much purse and brain both empty 
the brain the heavier for being too light, the purse too light, being drawn of heaviness. Of this contradiction you shall now be quit. Oh, the charity of a penny cord. It sums up thousands in a trice. You have no true debitor and creditor but it. Of what's past is and to come the discharge. Your neck, sir, is pen, book, and counters. So the acquittance follows. I am merrier to die than thou art to live. Indeed, sir. He that sleeps feels not the toothache. But a man that were to sleep your sleep, and a hangman to help him to bed, I think he would change places with his officer. For, look you, sir, you know not which way you shall go. Yes, indeed do I, fellow. Your death has eyes in his head, then. I have not seen him so pictured. You must either be directed by some that take upon them to know, or do take upon yourself that which I am sure you do not know, or jump the after-inquiry on your own peril. And how you shall speed in your journey's end, I think you'll never return to tell one. I tell thee, fellow, there are none want eyes to direct them the way I am going, but such as wink and will not use them. What an infinite mock is this, that a man should have the best use of eyes to see the way of blindness. I'm sure hanging's the way of winking. Enter a messenger. Knock off his manacles. Bring your prisoner to the king. Thou bringst good news. I am called to be made free. I'll be hanged, then. Thou shalt be, then, freer than a jailer. No bolts for the dead. Exit Posthumus Leonatus and Messenger. Unless a man would marry a gallows and beget young gibbets, I never saw one so prone. Yet, on my conscience, there are verier knaves desire to live, for all he be a Roman, and there be some of them, too, that die against their wills. So should I, if I were one. I would we were all of one mind, and one mind good. Oh, there were desolation of jailers and gallowses. I speak against my present profit, but my wish hath a preferment in it. Exeunt. Scene five. Cymbeline's tent. Enter Cymbeline, Belarius, Gidarius, Arviragus, Pisanio, lords, officers, and attendants. Stand by my side, you whom the gods have made preservers of my throne. Woe is my heart that the poor soldier that so richly fought, whose rags shamed gilded arms, whose naked breast stepped before targes of proof, cannot be found. He shall be happy that can find him, if our grace can make him so. I never saw such noble fury in so poor a thing, such precious deeds in one that promises naught but beggary and poor looks. No tidings of him. He hath been searched among the dead and living, but no trace of him. To my grief I am the heir of his reward. To Belarius, Gidarius, and Averagus. Which I will add to you, the liver, heart, and brain of Britain, by whom I grant she lives. Tis now the time to ask of whence you are. Report it. Sir, in Cumbria are we born, and gentlemen. Further to boast, were neither true nor modest, unless I add, we are honest. Bow your knees. Arise, my knights of the battle. I create you companions to our person, and will fit you with dignities becoming your estates. Enter Cornelius and ladies. There's business in these faces. Why so sadly greet you our victory? You look like Romans and not of the court of Britain. Hail, great king. To sour your happiness, I must report 
the queen is dead who worse than a physician would this report become but i consider by medicine life may be prolonged yet death will seize the doctor too how ended she with horror madly dying like her life which being cruel to the world concluded most cruel to herself what she confessed i will report so please you these her women can trip me if i err who with wet cheeks were present when she finished prithee say first she confessed she never loved you only affected greatness got by you not you married your royalty was wife to your place abhorred your person she alone knew this and but she spoke it dying i would not believe her lips in opening it proceed your daughter whom she bore in hand to love with such integrity she did confess was as a scorpion to her sight whose life but that her flight prevented it she had tan off by poison oh most delicate fiend who is it can read a woman is there more more sir and worse she did confess she had for you a mortal mineral which being took should by the minute feed on life and lingering by inches waste you in which time she purposed by watching weeping tendance kissing to o'ercome you with her show and in time when she had fitted you with her craft to work her son into the adoption of the crown but failing of her end by his strange absence grew shameless desperate opened in despite of heaven and man her purposes repented the evils she hatched were not affected so despairing died heard you all this her women we did so please your highness mine eyes were not in fault for she was beautiful mine ears that heard her flattery nor my heart that thought her like her seeming it had been vicious to have mistrusted her yet oh my daughter that it was folly in me thou mayest say and prove it in thy feeling heaven mend all enter lucius iachimo the soothsayer and other roman prisoners guarded posthumus leonatus behind and imogen thou comest not caius now for tribute that the britons have raised out though with the loss of many a bold one whose kinsmen have made suit that their good souls may be appeased with slaughter of you their captives which ourself have granted so think of your estate consider sir the chance of war the day was yours by accident had it gone with us we should not when the blood was cool have threatened our prisoners with the sword but since the gods will have it thus that nothing but our lives may be called ransom let it come sufficeth a roman with a roman's heart can suffer augustus lives to think on it and so much for my peculiar care this one thing only i will entreat my boy a briton born let him be ransomed never master had a page so kind so duteous diligent so tender over his occasions true so feet so nurse-like let his virtue join with my request which i make bold your highness cannot deny he hath done no Briton harm, though he hath served a Roman. Save him, sir, and spare no blood beside. I have surely seen him. His favour is familiar to me. Boy, thou hast looked thyself into my grace, and art mine own. I know not why, wherefore, to say live, boy. Ne'er thank thy master. Live, and ask of cymbeline what boon thou wilt fitting my bounty and thy state i'll give it yea though thou do demand a prisoner the noblest ten i humbly thank your highness i do not bid thee beg my life good lad and yet i know thou wilt no no alack there's other work in hand i see a thing bitter to me as death your life good master must shuffle for itself the boy disdains me he leaves me scorns me briefly die their joys that place them on the truth of girls and boys why stands he so perplexed what wouldst thou boy 
I love thee more and more, think more and more what's best to ask. Knowest him thou look'st on? Speak, wilt have him live? Is he thy kin, thy friend? He is a Roman, no more kin to me than I to your highness, who being born your vassal am something nearer. Wherefore eyest him so? I'll tell you, sir, in private, if you please to give me hearing. Ay, with all my heart, and lend my best attention. What's thy name? Fidele, sir. Thou'rt my good youth, my page. I'll be thy master. Walk with me. Speak freely. Cymbeline and Imogen converse apart. Is not this boy revived from death? Once and another, not more resembles that sweet rosy lad who died, and was Fidele. What think you? The same dead thing, alive. Peace, peace, see further, he eyes us not. Forbear, creatures may be alike, were he, I am sure, he would have spoke to us. But we saw him, dead. Be silent, let's see further. Aside. It is my mistress. Since she is living, let the time run on to good or bad. Cymbeline and Imogen come forward. Come, stand thou by our side. Make thy demand aloud. To Yakimo. Sir, step you forth. Give answer to this boy, and do it freely, or by our greatness and the grace of it which is our honour, bitter torture shall winnow the truth from falsehood. On. Speak to him. My boon is that this gentleman may render of whom he had this ring. Aside. What's that to him? That diamond upon your finger, say how came it yours? Thou'lt torture me to leave unspoken that which to be spoke would torture thee. How? Me? I am glad to be constrained to utter that which torments me to conceal. By villainy I got this ring. Twas Leonatus jewel, whom thou didst banish, and which more may grieve thee, as it doth me, a nobler sir ne'er lived twixt sky and ground. Wilt thou hear me more, my lord? All that belongs to this. That paragon, thy daughter, for whom my heart drops blood, and my false spirits quail to remember, give me leave. I faint. My daughter? What of her? Renew thy strength. I had rather thou shouldst live while nature will than die ere I hear more. Strive, man, and speak. Upon a time, unhappy was the clock that struck the hour. It was in Rome, accursed the mansion where twas at a feast. Oh, oh, would our viands have been poisoned, or at least those which I heaved to head, the good posthumous. What should I say? I was too good to be where ill men were, and was the best of all amongst the rarest of good ones, sitting sadly hearing us praise our loves of Italy, for beauty that made barren the swelled boast of him that best could speak, for feature laming the shrine of Venus, or straight pite Minerva, postures beyond brief nature for condition, a shop of all the qualities that man loves woman for, besides that hook of wiving, fairness which strikes the eye. I stand on fire. Come to the matter. All too soon I shall, unless thou wouldst grieve quickly. This posthumous, most like a noble lord in love, and one that had a royal lover, took his hint, and not dispraising who we praised, therein he was as calm as virtue, he began his mistress' picture, which by his tongue being made, and then a mind put in, either our brags were cracked of kitchen trolls, or his description proved us unspeaking sots. Nay, nay, to the purpose. Your daughter's chastity, there it begins. He spake of her as Dean had hot dreams, and she alone were cold, whereat I, wretch, made scruple of his praise, and wagered with him pieces of gold against this which then he wore upon his honoured finger, to attain in suit the place of bed, and wing this ring, by hers and mine adultery. He, 
true knight no lesser of her honour confident that i did truly find her stakes this ring and would so had it been a carbuncle of phoebus wheel and might so safely had it been all the worth of scar away to britain post i in this design well may you sir remember me at court where i was taught of your chaste daughter the wide difference twixt amorous and villainous being thus quenched of hope not longing mine italian brain gan in your duller britain operate most vilely for my vantage excellent and to be brief my practice so prevailed that i returned with similar proof enough to make the noble leonatus mad by wounding his belief in her renown with tokens thus and thus averting notes of chamber hanging pictures this her bracelet oh cunning how i got it nay some marks of secret on her person that he could not but think her bond of chastity quite cracked i having ta'en the forfeit whereupon methinks i see him now posthumus leonatus advancing ay so thou dost italian fiend ay me most credulous fool egregious murderer thief anything that's due to all the villains past in being to come oh give me cord or knife or poison some upright justicer thou king send out for torturers ingenious it is i that all the abhorred things of the earth amend by being worse than they i am posthumus that killed thy daughter villain-like i lie that caused a lesser villain than myself a sacrilegious thief to do't the temple of virtue was she yea and she herself spit and throw stones cast mire upon me set the dogs of the street to bay me every villain be called posthumus leonatus and be villainy less than twas oh imogen my queen my life my wife oh imogen 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 peace my lord here here shalls have a play of this thou scornful page there lie thy part striking her she falls o oh, gentlemen help mine and your mistress o oh, my lord posthumus you ne'er killed imogen till now help help mine honoured lady does the world go round how come these staggers on me wake my mistress if this be so, the gods do mean to strike me to death with mortal joy. How fares thy mistress? Oh, get thee from my sight! Thou gavest me poison! Dangerous fellow, hence! Breathe not where princes are! The tune of Imogen! Lady, the gods throw stones of sulphur on me, if that box I gave you was not thought by me a precious thing. I had it from the queen. New matter still! It poisoned me. O gods, I left out one thing which the queen confessed, which must approve thee honest. If Pisanio have, said she, given his mistress that confection which I gave him for cordial, she has served as I would serve a rat. What's this, Cornelius? The queen, sir, very often pertuned me to temper poisons for her, still pretending the satisfaction of her knowledge only in killing creatures vile as cats and dogs of no esteem. I, dreading that her purpose was of more danger, did compound for her a certain stuff, which, being ta'en, would cease the present power of life, but in short time all offices of nature should again do their due functions. Have you ta'en of it? Most like I did, for I was dead. My boys, there was our error. This is, sure, for daily. Why did you throw your wedded lady from you? Think that you are upon a rock, and now throw me again. Embracing him. Hang there like a fruit, my soul, till the tree die. How now, my flesh, my child? What, makest thou me a dullard in this act? Wilt thou not speak to me? 
kneeling. Your blessing, sir. To Guiderius and Averagus. Though you did love this youth, I blame ye not. You had a motive for it. My tears that fall prove holy water on thee. Imogen, thy mother's dead. I am sorry for it, my lord. Oh, she was not, and long of her it was that we meet here so strangely. But her son is gone, we know not how nor where. My lord, now fear is from me, I'll speak troth. Lord Cloten, upon my lady's missing, came to me with his sword drawn, foamed at the mouth, and swore, if I discovered not which way she was gone, it was my instant death. By accident had a faint letter of my master's then in my pocket, which directed him to seek her on the mountains near to Milford, where, in a frenzy in my master's garments, which he enforced from me, away he posts with unchaste purpose, and with oath to violate my lady's honour. What became of him I further know not. Let me end the story. I slew him there. Marry, the gods forfend! I would not thy good deeds should from my lips pluck a hard sentence. Prithee, valiant youth, deny it again. I have spoke it, and I did it. He was a prince. A most incivil one. The wrongs he did me were nothing prince-like. For he did provoke me with language that would make me spurn the sea if it could so roar to me. I cut off his head, and am right glad he is not standing here to tell this tale of mine. I am sorry for thee, by thine own tongue thou art condemned, and must endure our law. Thou art dead. That headless man I thought had been my lord. Bind the offender, and take him from our presence. Stay, Sir King. This man is better than a man he slew, as well descended as thyself, and hath more of thee merited than a band of clotons ever had scar for. To the guard. Let his arms alone. They were not born for bondage. Why, old soldier, wilt thou undo the worth thou art unpaid for by tasting of our wrath? How of descent as good as we? In that he spake too far. And thou shalt die for it. We will die all three. But I will prove that two wants are as good as I have given out him. My sons, I must, for my own part, unfold the dangerous speech, though haply well for you. Your danger is ours. And our good, his. How at it then, by leave thou hadst, great king, a subject who was called Bellarius. What of him? He is a banished traitor. He it is that hath assumed this age. Indeed, a banished man, I know not how, a traitor. Take him hence, the whole world shall not save him. Not too hot, first pay me for the nursing of thy sons, and let it be confiscate all, so soon as I have received it. Nursing of my sons? I am too blunt and saucy, here's my knee. Ere I arise, I will prefer my sons, then spare not the old father. Mighty sir, these two young gentlemen that call me father, and think they are my sons, are none of mine. They are the issue of your loins, my liege, and blood of your begetting. How? My issue? So sure as you, your fathers, I, old Morgan, am that Bellarius whom you sometime banished. Your pleasure was my mere offence, my punishment itself, and all my treason. That I suffered was all the harm I did. These gentle princes, for such and so they are, these twenty years have I trained up, those arts they have as I could put into them. My breeding was, sir, as your highness knows. Their nurse, Euryphile, whom for the theft I wedded, stole these children upon my banishment. I moved her to it, having received the punishment before, for that which I did then. Beaten for loyalty, excited me to treason. Their dear loss, the more of you t'was felt, the more it shaped unto my end of stealing them. But, gracious sir, here are your sons again, and I must lose two of the sweetest companions in the world. The benediction of these covering heavens fall on their heads like dew, for they are worthy to inlay heaven with stars. Thou weep'st and speak'st. 
the service that you three have done is more unlike than this thou tellest i lost my children if these be they i know not how to wish a pair of worthier sons be pleased a while this gentleman whom i call polydore most worthy prince as yours is true guiderius this gentleman my cadwal aviragus your younger princely son he sir was lapped in a most curious mantle wrought by the hand of his queen mother which for more probation i can with ease produce guiderius had upon his neck a mole a sanguine star it was a mark of wonder this is he who hath upon him still that natural stamp it was wise nature's end in the donation to be his evidence now oh what am i a mother to the birth of three ne'er mother rejoiced deliverance more blessed pray you be that after this strange starting from your orbs may reign in them now oh imogen thou hast lost by this a kingdom no my lord i have got two worlds by it oh my gentle brothers have we thus met oh never say hereafter but i am truest speaker you called me brother when i was but your sister i you brothers when ye were so indeed did you e'er meet ay my good lord and at first meeting loved continued so until we thought he died by the queen's dram she swallowed oh rare instinct when shall i hear all through this fierce abridgment hath to it circumstantial branches which distinction should be rich in where how lived you and when came you to serve our roman captive how parted with your brothers how first met them why fled you from the court and whither these and your three motives to the battle with i know not how much more should be demanded and all the other by dependencies from chance to chance but nor the time nor place will serve our long interrogatories see posthumous anchors upon imogen and she like harmless lightning throws her eye on him her brother me her master hitting each object with a joy the counterchange is severally in all let's quit this ground and smoke the temple with our sacrifices to Belarius. thou art my brother so we'll hold thee ever you are my father too and did relieve me to see this gracious season all o'erjoyed save these in bonds let them be joyful too for they shall taste our comfort my good master i will yet do you service happy be you the forlorn soldier that so nobly fought he would have well becomed this place and graced the thankings of a king i am sir the soldier that did company these three in poor beseeming twas a fitment for the purpose i then followed that i was he speak iachimo i had you down and might have made you finish kneeling i am down again but now my heavy conscience sinks my knees as then your force did take that life beseech you which i so often owe but your ring first and hear the bracelet of your truest princess that ever swore her faith kneel not to me the power that i have on you is to spare you the malice towards you to forgive you live and deal with others better nobly doomed we'll learn our freeness of a son-in-law pardons the word to all you help us sir as it did mean indeed to be our brother joyed are we that you are your servant princes good my lord of rome call forth your soothsayer as i slept methought great jupiter upon his eagle backed appeared to me with other sprightly shows of mine own kindred when i waked i found this label on my bosom whose containing is so from sense in hardness that i can make no collection of it let him show his skill in the construction philarminus here my good lord read and declare the meaning reads 
When, as a lion's whelp shall, to himself unknown, without seeking find, and be embraced by a piece of tender air, and when from a stately cedar shall be lopped branches, which, being dead many years, shall after revive, be joined to the old stock, and freshly grow, then shall Posthumus end his miseries, Britain be fortunate, and flourish in peace and plenty. Thou, Leonatus, art the lion's whelp. The fit and apt construction of thy name being Leo Natus doth import so much. To Cymbeline. The piece of tender air, thy virtuous daughter, which we call Mollus air, and Mollus air, we term it Mulier, which Mulier I divine, is this most constant wife, who even now, answering the letter of the oracle unknown to you, unsought, were clipped about with this most tender air. This hath some seeming. The lofty cedar, royal Cymbeline, personates thee, and thy lopped branches point thy two sons forth, who, by Bellarius stolen, for many years thought dead, are now revived to the majestic cedar joined, whose issue promises Britain peace and plenty. Well, my peace we will begin. And, Caius Lucius, although the victor, we submit to Caesar and to the Roman Empire, promising to pay our wonted tribute from the which we were dissuaded by our wicked queen, whom heavens, in justice both on her and hers, have laid most heavy hand. The fingers of the powers above do tune the harmony of this peace. The vision which I made known to Lucius, ere the stroke of this yet scarce cold battle, at this instant is full accomplished. For the Roman eagle, from south to west, on wings soaring aloft, lessened herself, and in the beams of the sun so vanished, which foreshadowed our princely eagle, the imperial Caesar, should again unite his favour with the radiant Cymbeline, which shines here in the west. Laud we the gods, and let our crooked smokes climb to their nostrils from our blessed altars. Publish we this peace to all our subjects. Set we forward. Let a Roman and a British ensign wave friendly together. So through Ludstown march, and in the temple of great Jupiter, our peace we'll ratify seal it with feasts set on there never was a war did cease ere bloody hands were washed with such a peace exeunt end of act five end of cymbeline by william shakespeare